podcast world. What's up? I'm Chad. I'm back at you. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Today's episode of the podcast is again brought to you by our friends, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only, the iconic Jack Daniels. We all know what Jack Daniels has got us through. The big times, the high times, the low times, the breakups, the partying. My guest today actually lives pretty close to Lynchburg, and I'm sure he has seen some big times on Broadway and Midtown and the Gulch, the different areas of Music City, USA, Nashville, 16th and 17th Avenue, Music Row, where it all happens, where it always has happened. Things have changed there a lot since I started going to Nashville. I'm proud to have Mr. Ray Fulcher on the program today. Ray, what's up, my brother? What's going on, man? You doing all right? Yeah, man. I'm uh, kind of trying to get used to this. It sounds like some things are starting to open back up with the quarantine and the pandemic, and the weather just changed here. It went from 73 to 95 in 48 hours. I know. It's been wild here, too. Like I remember, what, two weeks ago, literally two weeks ago here in the middle of May, we had a two-day span where it was frost on the ground. It was like 32 one morning, 33, and here we are. It was like, you know, two days ago it was 92, 93, and it's just, that's unbelievable. So, it's uh, Are you from Arkansas originally, or where are you from originally? I'm from outside of Augusta, Georgia, originally. You're, you're a Georgia. So. Man, there's a lot of Georgia boys that are in Nashville that have made it big time, and I know you're, you're right there too, but there's a lot of uh, – some my all-time favorite out of the state of Georgia. I don't know. Zach Brown's pretty strong. Um, I love Brent Cobb. I think Brent Cobb's oh, is he amazing. He is good dude too. What good. makes him so good? Let's start off with that real quick, just so we can get it out of the way. Of you, you know your shit about songwriting. You, you will get into what you've done with you know some of the guys that have that have charted and made big, big hits out of some of the words that you've put pencil to pen or pencil to paper with. What makes Brent Cobb? Is he unusual? Is he different? Is he just real and raw? What makes him a strong songwriter, singer? I think performer? he's just so, you know, I think the thing about Brent is just so honest about who he is and, and he's so good at putting the, uh, you know, the way that he grew up, um, both in just the, the way it was, but also in the geography and the those pictures. He's so good at putting those on paper and like, you know, illustrating that. And, uh, again, he's just so honest. And I think real and raw is a good way to, to put him. It's just kind of, you know, what you see is what you get. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's as good as it gets. You think he has kind of an uncanny ability of like wordsmithing and putting rhymes together, like prime did per se of words that may or should not be together or rhyming together kind of. Totally. Yeah. He's got a knack for that stuff for sure. And do you, do you, when you sit down to write a song, Ray, do you look at it for inspiration from other songwriters? Like we mentioned Cobb or a John Prine, who's a legend in his own right and rest in peace, Mr. Prime. But um, do you look for inspiration in that or are you kind of just a clean slate? And when you go to a, when you go to a co-writer, you sit down to start getting some ideas for a song. Do you try to paint that picture of where you grew up in Georgia, where you've been in the woods or where you've been, is, is location something, the personality, is it the, per, is it the people that you've been around or where do you fi- find most of your inspiration? I think for me, I think when I first started songwriting, I kind of found those guys like, you know, for me, it was Dean Dillon and Eric Church and, you know, a lot of guys in between, but I, you know, those were two songwriters that I really uh, were attracted to, like how they, you know, the melodies and the rhymes and the pictures they were creating. And so what I think I found out is like, when I first started 
you know, songwriting, kind of taking the things that I like from them and also, you know, uh, and knowing full well that I could not be either one of them, try to figure out what would make my own, you know, kind of make my own style. So I think over time, you know, I've kind of taken elements of those guys and other ones and just kind of tried to, um, you know, try to come up with my own style and figure out what I do best. And like, uh, you know, and I, what I really love is, uh, you know, painting those pictures of, of things that I've been through or things that I've lived, but also those things that it's fun for me putting myself in someone else's shoes and trying to imagine what, what it looks like around them, what it felt like to go through this thing or whatever. So, um, it's fun for me to put in the stuff that I've lived, but also to try to imagine what it would be like in someone else's shoes. So give me an idea of, of the mindset when you you're in the, you're in this circle and you, you moved to Nashville and your but let's just get it out of the way. I mean, your buddies with some stars right now, your buddies with Riley green and your buddies with Luke Combs. And I don't right. know if there's been a more explosive artist in the last 60 months in Nashville or on the music scene for country music and, 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 and doing things like Luke has done, staying real, staying right. raw, not being a quote unquote poster child of what you're sure. supposed to look like or act like, even though he's, you know, he's a clean cut, he's a gentleman, he's a country boy. He's, he's playing farm aid. He's with Willie. He's with Jamie Johnson. He's, right. he's got number one hits on the radio. He's selling out big shows and big theaters. And he's even doing some arena dates. He's on tour with some of the people that I know that he looked at as his heroes in high school. He did duos with, with Ronnie Dunn and kicks Brooks yeah. and, and, and then you have Riley green who came up, he, you know, it's, he's a Georgia boy. No, he's a, he, he's not a Georgia boy. Is he, is he a Florida boy? So he, he's right in, I think he, he's from Alabama, but I think he spent a lot of time in Georgia too. So he's got some songs. Alabama, Georgia boy. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you see these guys start to break. What does your mindset do? What does your psyche do? Are you a cheerleader to where you root these guys on and you're writing for them and you want to see them continue to break and get big. And at the same time, you're kind of blossoming as an artist as well, or are right. you 100% satisfied if you stayed behind the scenes, how does that mindset work? Where is the fine line of being a Dean Dillon who gets that sure. mad respect from the industry of all those big hits that he wrote for George and all of the different heroes uh -huh. that, that he wrote for where, where does that mindset, where does it sit with you, Ray? That's a great question. I think, you know, for me, when I moved to town, um, you know, I, I moved to town with the, you know, it's funny how things have worked out so far. I moved to town with the dream of being an artist. Cause that's where I kind of started doing that back home. And, you know, and we've, um, you know, and, and I've been blessed to have that kind of starting to, like you said, kind of gain, been gaining some momentum, especially starting last year. But on the songwriting side, you know, it's, it happened, it happened, you know, even quicker and, and big things happen. And, and I think for me, kind of where my true North always lies is it always lies in the song. So for me, if there's a, um, I'm definitely always cheerleading those guys and, and wanting the best for them. And always when I sit down with them or, or any other artist, you know, it's always trying to write the best song, you know, for those guys, because to me, it's, if the song, if a song deserves the biggest platform that it can have, especially some of the more special ones that we've written in, you know, and if those guys are the ones in this day and time and the end of May in 2020, if those guys are the ones to give it that platform, that's what I want for that song. And so, you know, for me, I look at it as I wear kind of both hats. You know, if if I want to be successful as a, as a writer and as an artist, I know 
I know personally, at least the, the challenge that I take on is that if I'm going to do a good job on both of those, well, maybe that mean that may mean a few extra hours. That may mean me doing just as good of a job of putting the, the same amount of effort that I always have into the songwriting for the other people. But also that may mean a few more extra hours at home thinking about talking to my manager, thinking about this thing on the artist side, even if I've been writing songs all day and stuff. So that's the challenge that I've kind of taken head on and, and really excited about to kind of be able to, you know, number one, it's a blessing to be able to wear both hats and be able to go tour and have people cutting, you know, cutting my songs. And, uh, you know, and I think the the goal for me is, you know, to be able to, to be, um, you know, to be in the upper tier, you know, on both sides of it. I, I just, it's hard for me. I never, it's, really hard, it's to hard to talk about, but when you're in yeah. high school and you're that stud quarterback in small town USA and yeah. every Friday night when them lights are on, those news reporters are writing about the stud, but you're right. the receiver on the team and you're catching touchdown passes and yeah. you're, you're making the great practice habits happen. You are a leader on this team, but you're not getting the exposure or sure. the highlight. How much does it screw with Ray Fulcher's psyche, his mental sure. stability? Because here's the deal. When you, when you see stardom hit and you see dollar signs hit, which you do make a good living being a songwriter, right. which we will get into that. But when you see the success and the videos with Brooks and Dunn or your buddy Luke is out here, does it ever F with you? Does it mess with you, Ray Fulcher, that when you do an interview or you get on a conversation with me, of, let's, hope, let's say that we're going to be future buddies. I hope that we become friends, right? We got a lot in common. You love to hunt. I love to hunt. We, we got a lot of the same people that we run with. Does it ever get tiresome when somebody brings up Luke because they're talking to Ray Fulcher when Ray Fulcher is a battery? He is a catalyst of this machine. Does it ever mess with you that you haven't broke yet? And how much does that sit there and weigh on you? Do you count the hours down in a day or do you just stay the course, stay in your lane and, and take what values your mom and dad and your grandparents taught you of, hey, look, hard work is going to pay off. Just keep doing you. How does it work out? Tell me how ego checks into this game and your mental stability. Yeah, and I think I think that's all a, a personal choice. And for me, I mean, I just decided that, you know, it it, it doesn't bother me, number one, because well, for two reasons, number one, you know, when they're talking about Luke, they're essentially are talking, you know, not, not we haven't written all of his songs, but when they're talking about Luke and the songs that we've written, you know, Luke is kind of the face of it. And he's, you know, and he's the one out there, uh, you know, singing them to the thousands of people, um, you know, but he's also, he's earned that and he's paid his dues and he's, and he's there for a reason. And, you know, and, and I know that, um, you know, we built, we built it together and he's, you know, he's, he's a generational once in a generation type talent, you know? So, I mean, you know, I never, I never, uh, never get to the comparison game with, with him or really anybody else. And I mean, and the other thing, uh, uh, the other side of that is I know I've just seen it. I've seen it work for myself. What you were just talking about. Like if you, if you could just stay the course and if you do things the right way and if you go, you know, and if you write the songs, um, and you write good enough songs and you continue to work hard, things will usually fall into place. Now the timing issue of that, that's, that's the part that's not in my hands. And that's what I have to understand and remember through all this is that, um, you know, when my, when my time comes, you know, I just want to be ready for it. And I think there's a good saying out there, you know, something too, that you never know when your opportunity comes, but 
what a shame it would be for it to come and you not be prepared. So I just always try to stay prepared and start to work hard and try to write the best songs for people like Luke and Riley and whoever else. And also on the other side of my, my brain go, let's make sure to be writing great songs for yourself and let's figure out what you want to say as an artist. And I think we've been, you know, we've gotten really, really close to that and we're doing some cool stuff now. And I found a lot of those songs, but for me, I mean, and I think, part of it's just my mental health. It's like, I try not, I don't ever let my mind kind of go into that, into that uh, mindset because then it's a, you're in choppy waters then, you know what I mean? Because it's, um, because then you start feeling like, well, why not me? You know, it should be me. And, and, you know, it's, I think the things are the way they are for a reason. And I think that through time and through, um, you know, through effort and doing things the right way, I think that, uh, you know, that I'm going to get my shot on that side too. So that's a great way to look at it. And how, how do you, how does it, the reaction take place when you're in your rig and you're driving or you're hanging and, and you hear one of those songs come on? Is it a validation to you that, Hey man, the hard work is paying off and, and good for Luke and just, and getting yeah. to see the response of the, the, the listener, the concert goer, the partier on Broadway guys doing covers of your songs. There's people right. that are taking a Ray Fulcher tune and they're, they, Luke puts it on the radio, yeah. but then you also have other band, cover bands doing them on Broadway, right? It's crazy to yeah. think that. And you're at a, such a young age and you're experiencing that already because he is a generational once in a generation kind of artist, but right. you have, you have the ability to sit there and, and, and hear this going on. And, and tell me what it feels like. That's an interesting perspective too, that kind of have, have, you know, been one of the writers on those songs and, and go out and uh and be able to kind of see it the stuff you're talking about happening i mean or hear it come on the radio or be at a bar and it comes on and you know it's funny it's a funny feeling being in that situation and, and it's kind of cool because you think to yourself like nobody here has any idea that you know that one of the writers of the song is here uh you know but it's it is a super sense of pride you know to me to know that you know at the end of the day it's like i took a chance and moved to nashville and didn't know a soul and for me to even be to, to get to the point I'm at is, is, you know, you know, the, the odds or the statistics, you know, say a lot of different numbers, but to me, it's, I mean, it's a one in a million chance to, to get in as far as I've gotten. And so I'm very, when those moments happen, I'm very proud. It makes me kind of uh, sit back and, you know, those, those moments are those little moments that you always try to, that we always tell ourselves we need to take time to do, but those moments of appreciation and like, man, this, you know, a lot's changed in the last few years. And this is really cool that some songs that there are some, some words that we wrote down on a piece of paper, or, you know, making people sing along, or in some cases, you know, depending on the song have changed their lives or helped them through a certain uh, part of their life or, or the soundtrack to their Friday night. And to be that, you know, for someone, you know, whether you're the singer or the writer of the song, when it gets to that point, it's all kind of the same because it's still, you know, just as much my song as it is Luke's, as it is, you know, Riley's or whoever else was the other writer on the song. So um, it's always just a, a pretty cool sense of pride and a, a moment to, you know, a window of opportunity to kind of stop and like, man, this is cool, you know? Yeah, I think I, I, I say it all the time to people of how envious I am of songwriters and that 
it is so much more difficult than y'all make it out to be as far as like I brought up Brent Cobb. I would say that to him once. So I'd be like, ah, buddy, anybody can write a song and they can't. First of all, they can't. They might be able to write words down, but they for sure can't write a song. Right. How do you know it's a song? If you go into a, just take me through it and let's just keep using Luke as an example. Cause y'all have, I, I think you had like eight cuts on one of his records, right? Like how does it, how does it start off? Do you just say, Luke, I got this idea. This girl broke my heart and I was going to spike the punch bowl at this party when she wasn't looking. And then all of a sudden y'all just start coming up with stuff. So the way it, the way it works for me is it always starts with an, with an idea, with an idea and the idea can come from, really anywhere for me it's it's either life experience or maybe sometimes it's a tv show or something and i hear a saying or something that somebody said and it sparks an idea or sometimes it's i like to call it a, i always have my radar on so like even if i'm not writing i could be down at the beach and writing can be the furthest thing from my mind but i always have like a a song idea radar on so that if me and you are out having you know having a beer and then we're talking and you say something that's like man and this thought provoking for me I might write it in my phone, just like, you know, this was that part of this conversation we had. And, and then I go back to it and think up an idea. But what I do normally is when I'm really excited about an idea, I'll say, uh, you know, to, it really don't, you know, any co-writer would be the same, whether it be Luke or anybody. And, uh, you know, I'll say, Hey man, I got, I got this idea. And I think this is how you would get to the, what we call the hook, like the thing at the end of the course that, that makes it pay off that thing that, I think that if you never get there, you're always left wanting more, you know, in the song. And so when, when we feel that that's strong enough and, you know, and usually it's two to four lines or something, you'll go, you know, we'll sit down and, and go, man, we got to get to that. How do we get to that hook? How do we get to the end of that course? And then, then at that point, I like to kind of, at least in my head, or we talk it out, how do we, how do we get there? How do we frame, you know, this story? And so, so that the first line of the song is leading itself all the way to that main idea. And it's almost like no different than a argumentative history paper in the sense that, you know, every, every line is kind of building a case towards that big idea and it's a theme throughout it, you know? And, um, and it's also one of those things that just like any repetition, it helps like, you know, four years ago, it was, I would come out of a right and I would be, just exhausted mentally trying to figure out, was it this or is it that? And second guess them. And now, you know, the pro there's the process is more streamlined in my head. And, and, and so that, that it's uh, I come out of it right now and I'm, um, you know, I'm not, I'm usually not tired at all because it's, it's become more second nature to kind of go through those processes in my head. And, and then you don't, and for me, it's a lot of instinct too. And it's, that's the thing that always people are like, well, explain it even better. And I'm like, well, you know, I can try, but at some point it's just, they go, well, how do you know if it's right or not? And I'm like, well, you know, the thing is, there's not, it's not always just cut and dry like that. There could be a lot of different rights. There could be a lot of different wrongs, but usually in the right, if it's a great song or a good song or um, one that I'm excited about, there will be that moment where you go, whoa, that's the right line or that's the right hook. And uh, that's the right melody. And somebody will go, well, why? And you're like, I can't tell you. I just know that it is. And I but can how, but, but when you go into a right, Ray, and you're with, and you're with Luke again, and you have eight yeah. cuts on one album. Sure. 
okay, you're making a good living off of these number one hits. Right. But how do you know that the ones that didn't hit number one wouldn't have been number one if they weren't with Luke? What? How yeah. does Luke automate? Do you guys go into every right knowing that Luke is going to be the artist for this one? Or will oh, Luke look at it and go, that's not me? So if it's, um, if it's, if it's Luke and I writing, normally I go in there with a the mindset of, of whatever we're going to write, let's, you know, we're doing it for, we're doing it for him. And so, you know, I kind of got a pretty good idea on like the stuff that he would dig or not dig. So when I go in there, if it's, you know, we kind of search for the idea until it is something that, you know, maybe we don't know by the, you know, obviously we don't know at the beginning of the song, whether it's going to be something that he'll want to eventually record or, or whatever. But we, but you know, what I do try to do is make sure that the idea is at least something that he's excited about that we're both excited about that fits, you know, what he wants to do or is saying something that, you know, that he wants to talk about in a song or something that he wants to, to get out or an idea that, you know, he's excited about that maybe he has, you know? And so, but there could be other great ideas that are not brought up or even ideas that are brought up, but we don't write because they're not necessarily the best thing because, you know, a great song idea for one artist may not be right. So do you and Luke ever write for you? Yes, we have before. Yeah. Um, I'm actually just uh, working on some stuff kind of behind the scenes. And um, I just recorded a song that we, uh, that we wrote together. Take me through the Hooters part of is it, I, I, it's arguably your biggest hit with him when it rains right. and pours. It's a, it's an everyday listen to a lot of people because of right. how clever and witty it is. Right. The, the Hooters part, the picture that you guys paint with this leaving her name on the check, which is every right. guy's dream and right. then picking up on the first ring, which is another right. every guy's dream. This is obviously because you guys have been to a Hooters and you've dreamed right. of this and wanted oh, this. Yeah. You may have even prompted this in certain occasions, yeah. um, but it's so cleverly written about from the time you pull up in the parking lot to the time you leave there. It, and the whole song is like that. It's just like yeah. from the lot, you know, the tickets to the four, to the four wheeler, yeah. the fishing trip, all, all of it is so clever. How, does that come together? Is that a quick write? You hear some guys like Billy Joel go, oh yeah, I wrote that in 17 minutes and it made 40 million sure. off of it. You know, it hit billboard right. for 30 weeks or whatever. How do yeah. you know? How how long does that take? And give me that process of that song. So for that song, uh, we came in, we wrote it uh, with our other buddy named Jordan Walker. And he was living at a house that he's no, no longer living at now. But at the time he was living at, so Luke and I went over to his house and Luke actually had the idea of, you know, when it rains, it pours, but in his mind, and uh, I think we actually even started it and I can't remember if there, we had any words or anything, but we started trying to write it as a kind of the way, the, the way that the title sounds, which is sad, you know, like a sad song. But then, you know, I don't remember who said it, but somebody was just like, Hey, what if we take this title that sounds like it's super sad about a breakup and, you know, almost like, she left you. And then this other, what if we flip that on its head and make it a breakup song, but it's the best day of this guy's life, the best thing that ever happened to him and paint the perfect day for this guy. And then all of our eyes lit up and was like, Whoa, that's crazy to do that. And it probably will never work. 
but it'll be fun to write. So we started that and then in those choruses and, and uh, that second verse, kind of once you get to that first course, we just literally, we talked about kind of, if it were up to us, if it was our life, what would be the perfect, what would be the perfect two or three days? If you could just, if you could just put together all these events that would build up the perfect, you know, couple weeks and to my, and a guy, a guy's like us, you know, we were like, let's try to paint the perfect picture of what would the perfect two weeks and a guy, a guy's life be. And so we just, we just started talking about the different things and we were like, you know, being the, you know, like when we were a kid, like trying to call into the radio station and winning something, well, what if you want a dang trip? And then, you know, you, you get down there and all of a sudden you're single and there's all these pretty girls everywhere, man, how cool would that be? How cool would it be to pull up in Hooters, get the last spot, go in there. And there's this all, you know, we kind of talked about our, you know, man, remember that time we went to Hooters? And so we got to talking about that and like, you know, everybody, we talked about how everybody tries to leave their number for the waitress and nobody ever calls them back. It's like, well, what if this time you didn't have to do that? This waitress comes over, leaves her number, you call her, she picks up, bam, just like, you know, perfect world scenario. And so we just took those things and we just ran with them. And I'll tell you what, we laughed so hard during that ride, just putting together those lines. And, um, you know, and what's funny is we walked out of the room that day, just, you know, not knowing, obviously, I mean, we wrote that song in 2015. So not knowing, you know, what in the world it would turn into. We just thought, man, what a fun ride. And, you know, and hopefully one day, you know, somebody else sing it. And at that time, Luke didn't have a record deal, you know? And so there was, what's cool, what's really cool about that ride is we wrote, we wrote that without, you know, having any clue about what eventually would happen to it. And to see it not only, you know, get on radio, but be as big of a hit as it was, um, is just wild to look back I, on. In my opinion, I think, and I don't know if Luke would ever hear me say this, and if I ever hung with you and Luke at Duck Camp, I would even say this to him. And hopefully he would, wouldn't take it the wrong way, but you don't look at Luke Combs and I know that he probably internally gets tired of hearing, well, he ain't the poster child. He doesn't look like you're, you know, like the Aaron Lewis song when George Jones tells him you're going to need to lose a few LBs and cut your hair and all this shit, right. To stay here in Nashville. Well, when Luke sings a song like you and him wrote, if you wrote it, you're more of the, you got more of that Georgia, Al Dean, Red Aikens, Dallas Davidson, Georgia peach picker look. You got the nice trim beard with the, with the, the nice shirt and the, the right amount of starch in it. Luke's up there in some Dickies pants with a red solo cup with a shirt that hasn't ever been ironed. And he walks around a baseball hat and just has a voice from heaven, right? Mm-hmm. I truly feel that Luke Combs' ability to touch the listener gives everybody the the hope that this life is okay. This life that can happen to me. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's ever going to, but that just gave me that vision of what could be right. And I think that a lot of it has to do Ray, that it's not just another pretty guy or another face that's singing the song. Now I'm not saying that the people that are considered faces don't have mad talent. I'm simply saying that with, with Luke being the artist, he touches a, a huge amount of people that gives them hope. And I think that that, especially in a time like right now, when Luke and, 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 uh, and Rob and Brent wrote that song that just went to the radio or is going to radio right now, six feet apart. 
that song gave people hope, right? I miss my mom. I miss my dad. I miss the crowds, the meet and greets, the shaking hands. It gives hope. When Luke says that shit, it's not, it's, it's not that it's sitting there going, oh, this is just another girl dancing on a tailgate. This is a guy that's actually painting this picture that, hey, I called up and I was caller number nine. I was on yep. the hotline, man. They said, right. hey, you're the winner. You just got two tickets and, and a fishing yep. trip to Panama and all this shit. Like, it's giving people hope. And I think that you guys have, 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 uh, have dug in your fingernails to this ability to do that to so many normal farm boys and ranch boys and cowboys and hunter boys and fisher boys and, and all of the girls that run with them. It's given this whole generation of people hope when Ronnie Dunn would sing a song back with, 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 with kicks and they sang about the border town, you had to really, you had to really understand like, what are they really trying to say about, okay, there's no chance that you're ever going to go into a lost and found in a border town and find that diamond ring. That son of a bitch has been sold off eight times already. Right. But that's not the same as these lyrics that you guys are writing. It's a different touch point. And I truly feel that that is why Luke Combs is exploded. Not to mention he can sing like a son of a gun. Like the dude is mad. He's got so much sick talent, but I just feel like he touches he touches these, he's like this new generation of, he might be the new generation, Jamie Johnson, to where those words touch you in a way to where you're just like, wow, I've really thought about mowing down every freaking rose that I see in my garden because she planted them, right? Like it I gives am. people hope. I don't know if that, if that resonates with what you, or if you're, it's, if you're picking up what I'm laying down, but um, d- does it kind of make sense? I t- dude, it makes so much sense. I mean, you know, Luke is, so um he's so relatable and i think this last album title uh is perfect for him because with with him is what you see is what you get he is the guy you know that that is singing those songs and it's not like he takes the mask off and it's someone else when he gets done he's what you see is what you get and i think that he and he'll say this and he said this at concerts i've heard him say in interviews and he truly believes it he says you know if small town guy from North Carolina, you know, who was singing cover songs in a bar and moved up here, not knowing what they're doing. If I can, if, if I can go from there to being here, um, one in a billion chance that it was, then you literally can do anything. If I can do this, you can do anything. And I think he truly believes that. And I think that, um, his fans gravitate towards that and they, you're right. It's like, they, you know, he's like the people's champ. You know what I mean? He's, he is, uh, he is so relatable. And I think not just relatable to, um, people who love music. He's just, you know, loves country music. He's so relatable to, uh, the every man. And I think, you know, and, and, and I try to be the same way just because that's what we, it's what we are and that's what we, we have been. And that's kind of where we came from and that's what we want to. And I don't, I don't want to take, I don't want to take this time to get to know you because you are a, you're a gifted artist, a very gifted songwriter. Um, but the reason that I bring it up is because your words are what's resonated to these people. Now, sure. Luke is the deliverer of that message. Right. Okay. Luke. But it's your words that somebody's going holy shit, that was me. I, that was me at spring training two years ago, man, where I was in that Hooters or I was on that concert line. Right. You have, when you, when you go see a show live, 
it's almost like being at a cover band show when you watch Luke Combs, meaning that every single person in that audience from the Raptors to the front row of the floor in the pit is singing every word like it was Amarillo by morning or it was don't rock the jukebox. It is literally like a cover band up there. And you're like, every single one of these people know every one of these words that shows you right there that what you're doing and what you guys are putting on paper is resonating with this massive audience. That's not only getting songwriters of the year awards and uh, newcomer of the year award and artist of the year awards and video of the year awards. He's the sellouts. I mean, all of that shit is one part of it, but what you are actually doing to the listener is what counts because in today's world, in my opinion, I might say some stuff that might irritate you, or I might say some stuff that you don't agree with, but I think that a lot of Nashville has become very cubicle. I've said it on several conversations that I think that a lot of the authenticity gets taken out of a lot of songs because of the ability to push that the music to the mainstream and get it on top 40. And then you lose the artistic value that's there because because I will take an Adam Hood and a Brent Cobb song over 90%, if not 99% of the stuff being played on radio. I will take Paul McDonald or Kyle Daniel, Drake White, Leith Lofton, the guys that that aren't getting played on radio, their artistic value to me is being overshadowed. And hopefully there's a voice out there and hopefully part of our platform can get that music out there because it truly, in my opinion, Ray deserves to be heard by the masses. But with Luke in your words and what you guys are doing, it's not that cubicle country. It's something that's resonating that it's not another dancing on the tailgate song. It's it's when you envision the songs, whether it's Hurricane, um, uh, the song, the songs that if you listen to the albums in their entirety and you don't and you take all the ones that have been radio hits off and you just listen to the ones that are on the album, there's so much cleverness in these lyrics that you're just like, man, like beer can. I, did you write beer can? I did, yeah. See, like right there, that's I didn't know that. I didn't know that for sure. But when I hear that song and I'm like, holy shit, they took a beer can that beer served in a can. And now they're talking about the can being the verb or whatever part of language that is, or whatever grammar that is. Is that a verb? It's not an adverb because those end in L Y help me out here, Ray. You're an artist. Like, what we always say is people, they ask us like, what do you mean? Like we go like a beer can do. Yeah. You can know? Do. So it's like a verb, right? Yeah. It's kind of a verb. Yeah. So when yeah. you take that, when, when I listen to that song, I'm like, damn it, man, that is like, that's kind of, kind of like the, the cleverness in the new song that he did about beer, not the, not the um, Never Let Me Down, but that's a great, clever song. And then you have the one about, you know, the, the one, two, three, the five, four, three, two, one song. Oh, yeah. That's so a great song. all yeah. I know is that, that the resignation is what I care about. The talent is what I care about. And that's why I wanted to talk with you. And when I had the opportunity to come up, I really wanted to figure out what you're doing because there is a chance that you might never break. There is a chance that you may never be that guy. God forbid. I hope you are hell of an artist, but all that part of the talent that you have in that is so to me, it's like, I don't know if there's a better talent and I don't mean to put so much drama into the, 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 the talent or the art of songwriting, but you're telling a story in three and a half minutes and you're, and you're making somebody's day. How important is that? Think about what you're doing and how much responsibility that is. And you can't just go through the motions. And that's what has me so irritated with a lot of the stuff that's out yep. there, which I, again, people be like, calm down, Chad, those guys deserve to make a living. And they do. All I'm saying is that if it's country music, 
let it be country music and let yeah. the talent be heard. And I think that that's what you guys have done is you've broke, you, you, you've kept it going to where now there's still hope that, Hey, the artistic values there, these songs are resonated. And I'm telling right. you, I'm not going to get into any artists, but a lot of songs coming out of Nashville don't resonate. You might, you may or may not believe that or agree with that, but that's my opinion. Well, I think what helped, uh, what helped us, I think is, and, and, and I agree with, you know, a lot of what you're saying as far as I think that the, uh, the, there's, it's such an important thing to be true to yourself. And also, you know, to remember that, you know, that we have songwriters and artists have the ability to, to affect people's day-to-day life and to, you know, have them relate to something and really dig in and hear and really affect their lives. And I think really, I think what helped Luke and I a whole lot is, and we just stumbled upon this. I think we first moved to town, you know, at first before we had publishing deals or anything, we didn't know anything about how the business worked, about how the quote unquote game was played and what you needed to be writing or what you were supposed to be writing. And, and so we really didn't know like how to kind of chase what was kind of hot right then or the things you were supposed to be writing. So what we did, what we decided to do is we were like, man, you know, we, you know, you hear one, you hear this one day and you hear next on the radio the the next day and you don't know what's coming or what's going or what's going to be the next big thing. So instead of worrying about that, man, why don't we just write some songs that at the end of the day, if nothing happened that we could be proud of and that is true to us and that we could uh, listen to one day and our kids could listen to and, and be like, man, those are good songs. We're proud of them. And let's just write the, the best songs that we know how to in the way that we do it and just see what happens. And we didn't, we didn't understand it at the time or didn't know it at the time, but that doing it that way ended up being the thing that all these thousands of people that come to Luke Combs concerts and people on the radio, that ended up being the thing that they were searching for, you know? Um, and, and we're, we're not getting for whatever reason, and, uh, and I think it really helped us that we didn't kind of know what we were quote unquote supposed to be doing. We just wrote from the heart. We wrote from our experiences, you know, and I'm very thankful that we, that we did that. We took a chance without knowing we were taking a chance, you know? So. Yeah. And I think that it brings me back to like the late nineties when a lot of, you know, the part of the country music history that some people will say or argue that is what really brought country music to the forefront with the hat pack and the garths and the, the chestnuts, the Tracy Lawrence's, the Diffie's, the Tritt's. When you listen to the songwriting at that time that was being played consistently, any chestnut song, any Diffie song, you listen to Joe Diffie's greatest hits. You hear a lot of the same. Like when I hear the way you guys write, I think of like an old soul that would have been around in the late eighties, all the way through the nineties and the 10 year decade of the nineties of, of those guys that were blowing up, you know, not just live performances, but they were selling albums, which was a different thing back then than it is today, right? These guys were making a substantial amount of money and revenue based on album sales. Um, it, times have changed with streaming and everything. But I, when I hear the songwriting, I think a lot about the way that those songwriters wrote when those songs were hitting in the late 90s, mid 90s. And so... I don't know if a lot of the inspiration has come from that. A lot of the way you guys were brought up in the country. Um, what, what does it mean to be on a dirt road 
the real way. What does it mean to to write about your your future ex mother in law and the fishing trips and the things that really paint these pictures? I think that when you if you break it down as far as the science of it goes, you guys might have not known you know what was hot or what was needed, and if you were just writing from the way that you were brought up, maybe it was your roots. Maybe it was the foundation that was already established in you guys. And you're able, you're able to put that on paper and it sit and it resonated with a lot of people. That's not easy to do. I, I truly don't get touched by a lot of lyrics that, um, you know, like for sure, not every lyric that comes out of Nashville, but it's something that you guys are doing that has this trend going on now that people are looking for the next realistic song to come out of that camp and they right. keep coming. They keep coming and I don't know how you're doing it and hopefully it never stops, but you, you gotta, you gotta go back for, for a second on, on, on the song we were talking about when it, yeah. you're in there and he wrote it back in 2015. How do you know when you get a bunch of creators, a bunch of artists in that room, how do you know when it's done? When is it good enough to where you don't know if it's going to go number one and blow up at that time? You guys didn't even know that Luke was going to get a record deal and that he would be the one singing on the radio. How does Ray Fulcher know, put a fork in it. It's done. Move on to the next one. Or I know you might move on and you're still writing this song over here and this one might not be all the way done, but how do you know when that one's done? Well, there's usually always something in a song, even when we're quote unquote, think we're done we always take the time to go back and kind of comb through it with a you know fine tooth comb and there's there will at least be one or two little things whether it's a phrase whether it's a word whether it's a tiny melody that's that's bugging you know me or or luke or whoever whoever i'm writing with and so at the end of a song maybe maybe it doesn't even take to get to the end of it we go back and we attack that part until we can get it to where we can read and sing through every line and and we don't feel that even a a rhyme, even a word, even a phrase is off. And that takes, you know, and that that does take some uh, some patience and some you know really caring about the song to do that. But I think it does. You know, when you have you know 150, 300,000 songs, whatever being wrote every day in Nashville, if you don't take the time to do that, I think that you're it's doing a disservice to the song and you're undercutting yourself because the details matter, you know, and the details matter, not just of, you know, will your songs stand out among other songs, you know, there's a, especially for Luke, I mean, golly, there's a certain standard that he set, you know, and we, you know, and you gotta, um, the song, the songs have to be great. And so, until we get until me personally, until I get to that point where I can read down every word and I can sing down and nothing feels out of place. It just kind of what I was saying earlier, instinctually just feels right until less there, until there's nothing bugging me. We're always tweaking and getting it right. And then once it kind of feels right, it, it kind of locks itself in, you know, and there's not much going back to it after that. But sometimes it takes some tweaking to kind of get to that that place, even though sometimes it's time consuming and, and, uh, annoying at times to kind of, man, like, cause you'll go in your head, you'll go, man, I don't know something, you know, I don't know what's bugging me about this, but something is. And so you have to sit there for 30 minutes and go, Oh, that's why. Cause there's a better word over here that would rhyme and be, you know what I mean? So it just takes, it takes some time and it's just like any other job. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, 
sometimes parts of it are, you know, aggravating to get right, but it's really cool once it is right. Cause you go, man, I'm glad we spent some time really digging in on that. So, so take me, I'm, I'm looking at a couple notes that I wanted to make sure I touched on. And I, and I listened yep. to this song. I listened to this song, another song that you wrote that I love that you do called Jesus and Jeopardy. Yeah. Um, is this a true story? Is this something that if your mama heard you sing it, she'd be like, Oh, you come on, buddy. I can't believe like, like she knows it. Are you fa- How, how, how good of a, you know, my, well, I had a buddy when I was in college that would always say a good storyteller ain't afraid to elaborate. Sometimes even throws some shit in. He might exaggerate right. a little bit, you know, but he's going to make, he's going to keep that story captivating. Right. When you hear a song like Jesus in Jeopardy, like it touches me because it seems like you were writing from the heart and the soul in right. that. Is that true? And then when your family hears this, do you ever get called to the carpet of like, well, it didn't happen that way, but you got to say, look, mom, this is what being a songwriter is. I got to, sure. do you have to explain that to people sometime or is hundred percent of your lyrics exactly how you remember them being laid down in your childhood or your adolescence and upbringing? So I think for me, it's like, as long as you create the, the character to its honest self. And that, that whole first verse is me just really creating the, or, or, you know, laying the framework of who my, my grandfather was, you know, and, um, you know, he was just a witty guy and a funny guy and like, you know, and, um, you know, in the second, it's just kind of, the song is about kind of who he is and, you know, not every single, you know, line in that song is something that he, specifically said but it's still it's like when you hear that song and my family heard that song they get done with it and they're like you know that describes your granddad to a t even though you know he may i may have never you know he he didn't necessarily you know talk about um you know the berlin wall but he was in world war ii you know what i mean stuff like that where it's like things that if he never said directly my family can sit here and go that's something your granddaddy would have said, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, as long as you're getting the, for me, it's important to to be truthful and get the character itself. Right. You know, and then, um, you know, and, and, and then use my own imagination as far as, uh, you know, those, those thought provoking and those uh, nostalgic kind of lines that, that really remind me about him one way or another. So so now when you take that as an artist in the way that your mind works, Ray Fulcher, when you have that song sitting over here and then you have somebody like myself saying, I really like that song. And then you yourself hear Riley do, I wish grandpa's never died. Do you go, gosh, dang it. Why didn't I like, why didn't I tie this into that theme? Because it's kind of the message of like, you're thinking of your grandpa and the things that you saw him do and the things that he taught you of you becoming a man and the person that you grew up to be. Does that go off in your mind? Like, dang it, I missed that one just by an inch because that one, that one's climbing the charts like it did. And I think it got to 12 or 13 or somewhere, but it's still probably that one bat, that one that every concert goer wants to hear Riley sing. Does that ever happen to you or are you a hundred percent set? Like I nailed it with Jesus and jeopardy or does your artistic mind ever go, man, I wish I would have thought of that. I think, I mean, for me personally, my grandfather, I think I nailed it with Jesus and jeopardy, but I do have those situations all the time. And, and, uh, where I'll go, I'll hear a song and I'll go, man, that was right under my nose the whole time. Never. I didn't even think about that. That's what I was getting at. You know, or man, I'm just, but it's always more of a, Golly, he got me on that one. I didn't think of that, but hats off to him. That's a great song, you know. And and I think, um, and that's a that's a wonderful song that 
that uh, that Riley put out. That's one of my favorites that that's uh, come on the radio, you know, in the last, um, you know, in the last year. And and I think it's just two different kind of takes on it. And I think he, I think you know, I think each are done kind of equally well, just in different ways. Um, but yeah, there are man, there are those songs all the time where I'll go, uh, man, hats off to them. That's a great idea. How did I not think of that? You know what I mean? Um, so does so it ever I, go, does it ever go also to the way that you're like, Hey, Hey Luke, does any of this remind you of your, your grandpa? Why aren't you putting Jesus in jeopardy on an album? Or is that one that you specifically save for you? Even though the words in that song resonate with me of what I remember of my grandpa's, even though they passed away when I was young, does that ever come into play to where you like, you're saving that just for that day that you're like, no, nope, that's a Ray Fulcher hit on my, on my first big cut on the radio or something in the, in the, those terms. Yeah. I, uh, um, it's for that song, especially and some other ones. It just, uh, cause I didn't write that. I didn't write that one necessarily with Luke, but that was one that at the end of it, I just had that feeling. I was like, you know, I, I always wanted to write a song about my granddad and that was the one, you know, and I kind of tried a couple of times and didn't really, hit the mark. I didn't feel like, you know, going back to that instinct thing. But then this one was the one where I was like, this is a really cool song. This is the one that feels like is the one I wrote for my granddad, you know? And so I was kind of selfish with that one as far as I wanted to keep that one for me and put it out. Um, you know, and, and it's funny that, uh, Luke always, Luke's all, Luke always says that that's one that, uh, you know, he'll always, we'll mess with each other back and forth. Like I'll hear something he wrote and I'll go, dang, man, I'm jealous of that one, or, or we'll do back and forth. But that's one he's always been like, man, I've always been jealous of that See, song. I didn't, I, I didn't know that, Ray, when I said that statement. I just, yeah. I figured that that would be a conversation between you two yeah. behind closed doors, or maybe even ribbing each other out at, when you're out oh, at yeah. Losers or something and you're having a beer. I don't even know if Luke can even go into Losers anymore, hang out or, or go to the Revival or anything. I don't know how that works with, and I know that it's not happening right now, so it's not even worth talking to, but I just figured that that conversation took place in one way or the other, because that song, another one of your song that really resonates with me, if I was an artist and I had a voice and I didn't have to just sing in the shower when nobody was home, I would take, when I hear Take Me Back Roads, I think of, of of a couple things and I'll shut up and let you talk when Brantley and Colt did um, chilling on a dirt road. And then yeah, Aldine, yeah. and then Aldine made it a, a, a monster success. Um, that was one of those songs to where I could picture myself because I'm, I, I like to live life with passion. I don't want to go through the motions. And I totally. think that that's, was the point that I was trying to get across to you, Ray Fulcher 20 minutes ago when I was on my rant about Nashville and lyrics and stuff is that I want a song that grabs me by my guts and like literally won't let go of me to where when I hear, take me back. And then you put the word roads in there. I'm just like, wait a minute. That's my life. Because my whole life is memories of location, personality, that farmer that gave me permission to hunt his corn for those Canada geese. And I knocked on his okay. door and he said, you ain't come, you ain't, you can't hunt unless you come in and have a cup of coffee. Well, yeah. then when I'm on that road and I'm looking at, and you, if you go back and look at any of the branding that we ever did when we started banded or the mm -hmm. foul life or any of our brands, you'll hear me talk about Ray about like 
looking in that rear view and seeing that dust of my, my truck and then looking out my right window and seeing that sunset with mallards pitching into this hole. Now that might not resonate with somebody that's not a duck hunter or a mallard guy like me, but it resonates with me when I hear the road, the, the dirt in my rear view, there's country songs in everything that we kind of branded our brands on, right? A lot of influence from music goes into what we've done with our brands. But when I hear a song like that, I'm like, to me, that's a hit. To me, that needs to be heard because that's going to be one of those songs that those guys in the crowd, those girls in the crowd are going to look at Ray Fulcher up there. And I'm sure it's already, I have not seen you live, which I do want to when this pandemic's gone. I'm sure that that's one that you look down and make eye contact with a lot of passionate people that are totally. living through those words. Is that, is that making sense? Absolutely. And it, and it's funny, you said you pointed out those two, cause those two are really are two of my favorite songs. And and yeah, that's one that I've gotten a lot of messages about and people just talking about it because I, and I love, I love reminiscent type songs. And I think I really, really want to paint that picture of like kind of what you were just saying, like, you know, you can't cross, you know, the, the guy in the song, he can't cross those railroad tracks without thinking about that one specific, you know, kiss with that girl. And he can't go around this one curve and this one road without thinking about his buddy who's no longer here, you know, and stuff. And it's like, every time that happens, it's almost like you get, you get to go back and relive some of those memories with those people. And I think that happens to me all the time. And so, you know, I wanted to have a song that, uh, that really, um, kind of touched on that, you know, that was one of my, you know, that's one that too, I've always toyed with the idea of kind of re-releasing, you know, once, you know, we get the record deal and everything kind of off the ground because I feel like it deserves that, you know, a, a bigger audience. And I was able to give it back in 2016 when I put that out, you know? Yeah. That's one of those songs where, man, I could just see it to where, and I, I want to go into this a little bit into the Nashville music city lifestyle. And if it ever took over or if it ever got you, or if you ever fell into its clutches, right? Like, do you, do you loan for those nights when you're not on the road, but you're just in Nashville and you're living that honky tonk dream that Alan Jackson wrote about of chasing that neon rainbow. Do you want to be in losers? Do you want to be in whiskey band? Do you want to be somewhere and have somebody say, I like to bring my buddy Ray up and I want him to sing a few for y'all. Do you like to get back to your roots of when you first moved to town? And I want to transition that Ray Fulcher into, did you get on the sauce a little bit? Did you get into the late nights and the non, the non sleep? And did you fall into the party crowd? Like, like, like David Lee Murphy wrote about and sang about like, how true was that song about the party crowd? Like when I go to Nashville and obviously I live in the West, the West United States, but I get to visit Nashville four or five times a year. And it's almost like you, you strategize, man. You take, you, you work out hard for three weeks, you diet, you freaking, you're, you're, you're fasting and you're watching your carb intake and you're like not drinking or not. Cause you know, what's getting ready to happen. It's almost like that Vegas mentality. So right. do you, do you long for those nights still? Do you still get off on going out in Nashville and, and seeing those places that you, that you used to play in and that you still might sometimes, or and man, did it ever love. get a hold of you? Man, I do love going there from time to time. And I really do. This ain't me just say it. And the reason is because when I go to those places, um, you know, and luckily I've been blessed to where, to where I'm, I'm writing every day and I'm so busy on the weekends normally, you know, we're not in a pandemic that I don't get to go a whole lot, but I do love going. And the reason is it reminds me of that first year that I was in town and how, <clears throat> and how special of a city Nashville is and just all the talent around and like, just so much inspiration walking around there's so much inspiration in the walls of those places 
and it just gives you, you know, that feeling, you know, the, what, what helped give me the dream was going to Nashville the first couple of times when I, before I moved here and being in those places and feeling the energy and feeling the inspiration. And so going back to those places, um, really helps kind of remind me like, uh, why I moved in the first place. And it's, it's awesome to be at now the first year, if anybody says they didn't get caught up in it a little bit, it's probably lying because it'll grab you real fast. And I, uh, man, I, I've never, I've never been a huge, uh, partier, but I would say my, probably the most partying I've ever done is the first year in Nashville. Cause it's like the way it gets you is that there's so many writers rounds and different things going on that there's something you can be doing every night of the week and it can masquerade itself as being, you know, business. And in your mind, it probably is, but what happens is, you know, you're four or five drinks in and here it is two in the morning, you know, and it's time to get an Uber home or whatever, because, you know, and if you're not out doing that, you're asking yourself at home, man, you know, this what's is, it called? What's it called? FOMO? Is that what they call FOMO. it? You're, you're missing. Like, what am I missing? Am I missing an opportunity? Who could I talk to tonight? You know, um, also but let me ask you this though, real quick, before you go on doors can't open when you're laying on your couch. Now when you're right. And I understand that that's got potential to turn into a cut for you or one of the artists you write with. But when you're not at, at, at the blue bar, if you're not, if you're, if you're not in all of these places that have so much inspiration and influence on what you're doing with your life, aren't you missing out? If, if shouldn't you be at, sure. at what's going on every night of the week? And then even, which is probably the coolest thing about Nashville is Sunday fun day, which is you're like, Oh, yeah. fine. Finally, I get a day off. Nope. Not in Nashville. Sunday fun day. Doesn't it? The Sunday fun day is like the best, right? So aren't, aren't you missing out if you're not out there? Yeah, I think so. I, and I really do think that when you're new to town, as far as an artist or writer or whatever, if you're not doing that, you are missing out because there's, so, you know, the relationships that I've made that have lasted, you know, throughout my time in Nashville, so many of those were started at, you know, whiskey jam or at Tin roof revival or one of those places, because that's where you, that's where you meet people when you move to town. That's where you go up to them and ask them, Hey, you know, I'm new to town, but you want to try to write sometime. And then half of them are, you know, a quarter of them are, uh, you know, just straight up nose, a quarter of them are, yeah, man, we'll talk about it sometime. And then you don't, you don't never talk to them about it. And then half the time they go like, yeah, man, take out your phone. Let's get a, let's get a date. And so if you didn't do that, when you first moved to town, you weren't getting song, you weren't getting song rights, like writing appointments. And so, you know, it, it just so happened to be at a place where you could also get a whiskey and, you know, a, diet, a Jack and diet pretty quick too. But yeah, I totally agree with you. If, if you're, if, you know, if you're not doing that, especially your first couple of years in town, you hundred percent are missing out because that's where that's, that's really, you know, that's what makes Nashville so unique and special is that's, that really is where the business is going down. And that's, that really is where you set the foundation of the people you're going to be writing with and working with for the next, you know, five to 30 years, depending on what happens. So right, right now off the cuff, no thinking about it. Give me one of your top memories right now, since you've moved to town, was it, was it meeting a, a celebrity? Was it getting up on stage with one of your heroes? Give me something that went down that still s sits in the front of your frontal lobe of your brain as one of those top notch nights in Nashville. 
Kind of just, oh, you mean like a, just like a night out kind of thing? Well, just, you know, like I've been there to where you're sitting in a bar and all of a sudden you're like, is that, what, what, that, that is Kid Rock. We're in Tootsie's season. That is Bobby Ritchie up there. Like, like that kind of shit. Like that doesn't happen where I live. You don't just go down here to the corner pub down here where I live and all of a sudden freaking Travis Tritt's up there playing a Waylon song, right? I've seen that this kind of shit happen in Nashville on the constant. So like what, 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 what stands out in your head? I remember the first time I uh uh one of the first weeks I was in Nashville we went to uh you know losers and I'm you know fresh off the you know I'm fresh off the the bus kind of thing and and um so wide-eyed and stuff and and I remember uh we were in losers and um a guy named Earl Bud Lee was in there and I just I didn't know he was just a guy sitting over there and you know somebody tapped me and was like Hey, you know who uh who that is? And I was like, no, who's that? I'm like Earl Bud Lee. And I'm like, well, who's that? And he goes, um, well, he wrote uh he wrote Friends in Low Places, you know, Garth Brooks. And immediately this I was like, wait, what a second, wait a second. He wrote that guy right there wrote Friends in Low Places. And he was like, Yeah, man, go talk to him about it. And so I was like, okay. And so I went over there and sat down and we just had a conversation for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes about songwriting and about you know uh about that song and stuff and i just remember being like oh my lord like, in, in, in my mind i'm like oh man i've made it like I've, I've met the guy who wrote you know friends in low places and so and and i just remember coming away from that being like man what a what just a wild place to where those people are just those people are just everywhere and you know and he was thankfully willing to talk to me and hang out with me and um, but again, things that will never happen if you don't, if, not if you don't go out and, you know, and uh, not, and not to mention that it is probably in the top five, probably top three, 100%, and maybe the biggest country song in the history of country music that oh, broke it yeah. wide open back in, oh. uh, that came out in 89 or 90 on the No Fences right. album. And when Garth did that, he had had, he had had the Garth Brooks album out. And this was a couple years before Rodeo came out. But when he did that, that album, No Fences, and put that song on there, and you heard it, and then several years later, he adds the third verse live, which rocks stadiums to this day oh. after his 20 year yeah. layoff. Like, I don't know if there's a bigger influential song and that dude's just chilling there and you're talking with him and he's probably worth God knows how much money off of what Garth made him off of that song. Right. But yeah. it, it doesn't matter in Nashville. It's like, you see that right. shit constantly and you can't, you can't lay your head down uh, You can, and over in Brentwood at 9 PM on a Saturday night and be like, yeah, I'm just going to fall asleep. No, you're not. You're going to be, your head's going to play tricks on you. And you're at 1030, you're going to be putting your jeans on and you're going to be in your, in an Uber at 11 going down to see what the heck's going on. That town just gets you, man. It does. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can't, if it's like, if, if you, if your dream is to write and play country songs and you're here in town to do it and you're, you know, like I said, the first couple of years and you're at home you cannot help but think to yourself like there ain't been a worse FOMO in the world other than a new songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee on a, yeah, really any night if you're not out, because you, like you said, your head will play tricks and you will put your, you will get dressed if you're not. And you'll go down there because in your mind, you're like, Hey dude, I've done it so many times, Ray Fulcher. And I'm not even a songwriter. I'm not uh, even, I don't, I don't even have aspirations of making it. I just, that's town just does it to you. It does. Totally. <laughs> 
Can it no. go the other way though? Meaning, Ray, and you witnessing this with one of your good friends, Luke is a dear friend of yours that he is becoming a superstar. He's becoming a country music superstar. Does that mess with him in the way to where does he wish it was more low key still? Does he wish that it wasn't so busy? Does he wish all of the demands weren't there all the time? Um, I'm sure the endorsement deals, the, the, the interviews, the, the traveling, the, the radio, the Bobby bone show, whatever it is, does he wish? Cause obviously when you get there, you can't bitch because beggars can't be choosers. This is what y'all have wanted. Does it play, does it play, does it uh, on your mental, do you see it messing with his psyche at all to where he wishes it was still that slow down and that it didn't blow up as much as it did, or at least not as fast as it did? Well, I think he's very thankful that it, that it has. And I think that it is just like with Bill and anybody, I think it is parts of that are tough where, you know, there's, you know, let's be honest, there's some places and, you know, a lot of this country that's hard would be hard for him to just be out alone it, it for it to be low key at all without people recognizing him and come up and stuff. But also he accepts that and understands that in order to get this, you got to get, you got to take that too. You got to take the good with the bad. And so I've never, I've never really heard him, you know, kind of be like, God, you know, man, I wish like if I knew then what I knew now, I wouldn't ever, you know, he, he understands and, and accepts the challenge of the, the things that the sacrifice you have to make that comes with it. But yeah, I mean, are there, other times where he probably misses that part of it, just like any probably star does. Yeah, I think so. Um, Dude, he's on a Toby. He's on a Toby Keith. You just sparked something to me when you said, I wish I didn't know now what I did. You know, that, that to- yeah. when you said that line right there, he's on a Toby Keith path, meaning that he's getting success at a young age with not just songwriting, but with publishing and performing with merchandise sales and endorsement deals and, you name it, he's getting it. And he's on that road of like what Toby did, you know, and Toby obviously obtained unbelievable financial stardom through big machine and all of his history there with Bruschetta and stuff. But, but with, with, with what Luke's doing, it's kind of on that same path as a guy that when Toby was coming up with the mullet and everybody, and he was singing, I should have been a cowboy. People were looking at him like it's relatable, man. I do. I did watch those movies. I do hear my alarm clock. I, you know, there everything that Toby's saying it was kind of in your face and take it or leave it kind of attitude. It went on with the Dixie Chicks and the World War, and we'll put a boot in your ass. Not the World War, but the 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 war on 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 terrorism, and we'll put a boot in your ass after nine eleven and all that. He kind of was unapologetic, which Lucas kind of taken that unapologetic approach, but. At the same time, he's doing it within the constraints and playing by the rules of Nashville, which you are too, Ray, is that it's kind of outlawish, but he's still staying in that, that Nashville lane to where he's still getting the radio play. He's still getting management companies paying attention. Where There's other uh, artists that are just like, you know what? I'm over it. I don't need the Nashville. I don't need it. I'm just going to go develop my cult following and my audience and my fan base, and I'm cool. Luke's kind of playing both sides of that Toby Keith. I'm an outlaw with Merle and Waylon and Willie over here, but over here I'm down on Music Row, and I'm still playing by the rules a little bit until it got to the point to where Toby's just, you know, he could do whatever he wanted. I don't know if that's making sense to you, what I'm saying, but it kind of well, reminds is, me of it, that path. It is. Yeah. I mean, luckily for Luke, you know, I think that he is unapologetic totally and he's going to do it his way and make the music that he wants. You know, what's great for him is where that's landed at is music that, um, that people can relate to. Even the people who don't typically like mainstream country have latched to, have latched onto and, and, and hold at high esteem 
but he's also got the fans and got the people that do love country radio and, and the, the mainstream, if you will, also love the music. So he's right there in the middle of those two things, you know, and it just so happens that the stuff, what he wants to do and the music he wants to put out and who he wants to be just happens to be in that spot where both sides go, you know what? That guy's cool. That music's cool, you know? And, and here's what he says about you. Me and Ray have been tight for a long time. And I think that's an important part of songwriting, building chemistry with people that you write with and being able to trust them. So that just shows you like Luke's got this admiration for you. You have this huge admiration for Luke. You guys are boys, but at the same time, you're building a career too. And I think that that's, what's so cool about this story is that you're what you're kind of getting a playbook, man. You're kind of getting this strategy, like, like, like Luke and his team are kind of are, are kind of the Bill Belichick and the Tom Brady and you're kind of watching it. But at the same totally. time, you're right there in the huddle, writing these songs, knowing what's up and you're getting ready to explode yourself. So I don't know of a cooler path. Like Luke is kind of that guy that took the hit for you and went out there and said, hell yeah, hey, I developed a cult following on Facebook and, in- and Instagram and social media and my songs broke and here we are, record deals and sellouts and invites and duo, you name it, right? But Ray Fulcher's right there, like building this career with him with accolades that are pretty badass, dude. Like if you think about um, sounds like confidence, Fulcher has swag for days and it shows in the effortless way he delivers a lyric. Well, when you deliver a lyric, it's your lyric, which is awesome and a badass concept if you think about it. Fulcher co-wrote Combs' five-week Billboard Country Airplay number one, even though I'm leaving, and two-week chart topper when it rains, it pours. Golden Boot Songwriter of the Year for 2019. There's an ease to Ray Fulcher's delivery that signal he's found his voice as an artist after several hits with good friends Luke Combs. That was out of Taste of Country. There are so many EPs hotter than Ray Fulcher's. There are not many EPs hotter than Ray Fulcher's Somebody Like Me right now. These things are being said because it's true. Like, if you listen to that EP and the lyrics in it, the lyrics is what carries you, bro. You can never get away from the fact that it's not cubicle, that it's meant because the lyric is real and raw. And I think that there's a couple different ways that you can take that. It's like, well, I'm still going to be the guy that's going to, you know, my, my songs might be sung by somebody else as long. It would be cool if you could say, well, I don't know if that really fits that guy. I'm not going to give him that song, which in the publishing world, that really doesn't work that way. I would assume, but I think with what you're building, I think it's a, I I don't know how to really explain it. That's why I wanted to talk to you that you are watching guys that you sat in these rider rounds with and came up with and sat up in those apartments and those condos on those long nights dreaming of this. And now you're right there navigating your way through it. And it's just like a weird feeling like, when is it going to happen? When is this big break coming? When's that number one coming? When are we going to hear Ray on big time radio? When is he going to be selling out arenas and 50, you know, 3000 seats? you know, uh, theaters and stuff. And I don't know, like it, it's, it's a mind game to sit there in Nashville. And, oh, totally. and then on top of all this, the, the, the world gets hit with this pandemic to where now they're saying no concerts this whole year, pretty much. A lot of people let their whole crews go this whole waiting game, man, when you know you're on the verge of greatness and then carpets get pulled out from under you like COVID. And then you got to sit there and go, well, man, I, I want to get to radio. I, how do I get there faster? It's about the patience and believing in that lyric, bro. And I think that's what you got going for you is that lyric. Thank you, man. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's tough, you know, like, especially now it's tough, especially when you have, when you're at the, at the spot where I am, where you feel like 
coming into 2020, you feel like, man, this is the year when it all kind of happens. Well, then the, the world gets put on hold, you know, and so, you know, you got to be patient and you got to kind of what I've done, what I've chosen to do is kind of figure out what can I control throughout this to when we come on the other side of it to come out a better, a better singer, better artist, better writer and come out on the other side and, and almost like we didn't miss a beat kind of thing and find a way to even um, help myself grow as an artist, even through this. And, you know, some of the different lives and stuff have helped that. I think on the other side of it, which has helped me, you know, coming, coming up in very small town, Georgia, Harlem is the name of the town is, uh, uh, my dad and like my, my ball coaches growing up were, you know, were very big on being tough and mental toughness. And I think part of, man, part of it is, you know, kind of buying your, part of buying your time and part of, you know, wondering when it's going to happen for you and, and thinking that, you know, that if you just had the opportunity, big things were happening. I think, man, shit, part of it's just being tough as hell and like trying to being mentally tough enough to like go, Hey, you know, if there's been disappointments here, disappointments there, you find a way to shrug them off and use as motivation and you keep, keep trucking, fight the good fight, keep the faith, knowing that one of these days you're going to wake up and go, you know what, you know, I'm really proud that I fought through the adversity. Cause I think on the other side of that, there's a lot of big things waiting. So I agree. And I think that it's life lessons, man. I think that you can look at it in so many different arenas of life and just your career just isn't the only part of that you i'm sure that you have fought through you know personal adversity you fought through relationship adversity you and all of that stuff gets to play out in the lyric and i think that that's going back to the underlying theme of this conversation ray fulcher is being able to tell a story in three three and a half or if you're a a led zeppelin or you know some guns and roses ballads that were 13 minutes long and stuff or like free bird right play free bird man you know like there are some songs that are longer but three and a half is probably the average of storytelling right and you're getting to do that so while you're sitting there being patient having to pump the brakes and having to be mentally tough and knowing that the pass is coming your way knowing that the 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 line drive is going to be hit at you knowing that the fastball is going to come right down the middle and it's your turn to hit that home run you got to be ready you have to be prepared to capitalize on the opportunity when that opportunity in life presents itself i tell people all the time whether it's business whether it's athletics whether it's family whether that's the one that got away that luke owens or uh yeah jake owens sang about a couple years ago um you 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 have to be ready to capitalize and in hunting i talk about it all the time in seminars or when i'm speaking of you, you wait all year, you prep, you blow, you practice your duck call, your dog training, you're getting your boat ready, your motor ready, you're cleaning your decoys, you're shooting at the sporting clay and ski, ski events, and you're trying to become a better gunner. You're understanding ballistics and patterning and your choke tubes and sights and visibility. And now you're learning how to communicate and read ducks and body language and instincts. And then all of a sudden here they come. It's September 15th. You're in Saskatchewan. That first group of mallards presents itself and you're not ready. You're just like, what the hell did I just work all that time for? You got to be prepared to capitalize when it presents itself. And you are, I mean, you're, that's one good thing about what you're getting to witness with a good buddy that's taking you under his wing. But at the same time, it can't be considered that 
Ray Fulcher just as being taken under Luke's wing. You are building this career. You are responsible for a lot of those songs. He has been that vehicle and that voice that's got some of those lyrics out there. And now here you come to deliver the rest of those badass, clever, witty lyrics. And that's why I wanted to talk to you, man. I think it's really good music. I think you got a cool message, a good vibe, a good head on your shoulders. Plus you're a hunter. Um, you're wearing a duck hat there with a Woodrow on it, which is what most right. Georgians do because most Georgians have never seen a mallard, Ray <laughs> Fultures. <laughs> when I go out to Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, we got to get together in a camp sometime, man, and get some guitar playing you. around a fire. And you guys come I over to camp you. in Arkansas or maybe we'll talk off record about all of us getting together in California this year. I got some six spec camps there and we could uh, we could do a big Traeger event and cook out and, and, and get to know each other better. Let's do it, man. That'd be awesome. Man, I appreciate you. Let's do this again. Let's uh, let's let's keep talking about the music and uh, and uh, maybe once one of these singles gets on the radio that you're singing, let's get back on it and promote it. But we're let's a big fan, man, and uh, I'm, I want to add all your music to our Foul Life playlist that people are loving and and uh, just work with you, man, because we're a true believer in it. Congratulations. I appreciate it, man. Thank y'all so much for having me on and believing in me. It means a whole lot. First of many, brother. First of many. That's Ray Fulcher. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody brought to you again by our friends at Jack Daniels, the one and only, the iconic, one of the most American brands you will ever witness. Old number seven, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. If you're visiting Music City, have a Jack Daniels down on Broadway or in Midtown and listen to these badass artists that are fighting. They're coming up, working the honky tonks, battling to try to get a little taste of success. It might be in songwriting it might be in performing it might be in production dave cobb is a wizard at production winning grammy after grammy and the new album jason isbell's reunion is absolute genius if you guys haven't heard that if you girls haven't heard it get it now this is chad belding this life ain't for everybody for my good buddy ray fulcher out of the state of georgia living in music city nashville tennessee usa tom hit that button we're going to go out with a ray fulcher song today we usually go out with leith lofton and drake white what you going to do when the money's all gone ray can we go out with one of yours please today Let's do it, man. Can we do, uh, can we do, uh, take me back roads? Oh, absolutely. This is Ray Fulcher. Take me back roads. Tom hit that button. Thank you all very much. We will talk to you soon. And again, thank you for supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. Time.